Preaching Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Matthew 16, we are reading from the verse 21 to 23 now. So, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of men. You can leave your Bibles marked or open if you want, because we we'll, uh, read more in a while. So it is very likely that the disciples had a very different expectation about the Messiah. Maybe they had in mind uh, the stories of the judges that were greatly used by God to deliver Israel from their enemies, such as Gideon, Deborah, um, Samson, or perhaps like the King David, who was... Uh, used uh, by God to defeat Goliath and the Philistines and expanded greatly the, the territory of Israel. But uh, when I read this passage, I imagine Jesus gathering his disciples to let them down just after they heard the big news about him being the Messiah. I can picture their expressions of hope and joy when Jesus mentioned going to Jerusalem and I'm pretty sure their faces showed a mix of confusion, wonder, and even indignation when he told them the whole plan. Uh, and I'm sure that when Jesus was finished telling them that, the disciples looked at each other, they started spreading out and sharing with each other uh, their hard time understanding what Jesus had just spoken, but that they were sure that they might have missed something because that could not be the whole plan. Uh, maybe Jesus was again talking in riddles or in parables, like he did before. Remember all the trouble they had to understand the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, in, in, in chapter 16 uh, before that we read a couple of weeks ago. The disciples had concluded something really random and uh, different from what Jesus meant, and they needed him to explain a little bit more so that I could understand. So was this last statement uh, something that they misunderstood again? Peter, bolder than the others, approached Jesus with the confidence of who was the first man to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he expressed the general concern by saying, no way, Jose. Lord, we go back a long way. I know what you are capable of. I, I, I saw um, how people trust you and how they think the world of you. Uh, and now you just said yourself that the Father revealed to me who you are in fact, so I must be right about this one too. You, you will not die, not like that. And Jesus' words in response to that are stern. And it is impossible that one reads it carefully without being astonished. This word so, sounds so much not like the Jesus we imagine. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Well, that does sound harsh. Was that really necessary, we, we may think? I mean, even uh, considering that Peter was terribly wrong in his words, 
We could he give him some credit for his genuine concern for Jesus' welfare. But we can sense the Lord's fierceness when dealing with Peter with what he stated next. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Jesus was not being aggressive to Peter as a person, but against that which was upholding his deceitful thoughts, Satan, who has complete control over a mind which is not submissive to God. And about mindsets, the way that we think and the process behind it, Paul wrote to the Romans and to the Corinthians with clear words. To the first, he counterposed the mindset on the things of the flesh and the one set on the things of God or the, the Spirit, saying that the mindset on the things of the flesh is hostile to God, cannot please Him, struggles to obey His commandments, and leads to a flesh-like uh, like lifestyle and result in death. But he also said that those who were justified by faith in Jesus received the Holy Spirit to be their guide, leading them into obedience, revealing God's fatherhood and our sonship, and bringing life and peace. To the Corinthians, Paul expressed his disappointment on their fleshly behavior, evidenced by the factions within the church, and also jealousy and strife, among other issues that he addressed in the first letter. He said that they were people of the flesh, infants in Christ, since they behaved only in a human way. Notice that both Jesus and Paul mentioned the, the, the human way, the things of man, in a negative sense. Uh, as previously discussed, the devil exerts power over the thoughts of those who are not subject to God building strongholds of deceitful ideas and preventing them to realize God's purposes and will. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way of death. A mindset on the things of man is self-preserving, profit-driven, earth-minded, self-centered. That is the fallen human nature and mindset, the way we are conceived after sin entered the world. It cannot please God. It cannot understand God's purposes because it's too entertained with itself and to its own understanding. It gets really shocked with the reality of God's kingdom and His will. The thing is that we are not created for ourselves, but for God. And there is no fullness, no lasting satisfaction whatsoever in a selfish way of living. Even though we try and we try really hard, Solomon, one of the wealthiest and the wisest men of all times, declared that he didn't deny anything his heart and his eyes desired. Food, drink, palaces, women, possessions, servants, wealth. He concluded that all was emptiness and striving after the wind. We must remember that even though the disciples received some uh, portion of anointing by the Holy Spirit, they hadn't yet experienced the indwelling of the Spirit. In a few words, they were still human beings experiencing a reality that was yet to be established in its fullness. And a person, regardless of their best intentions, cannot beget God's thoughts, which are far above ours. It is only by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we can share in God's mind. The New Testament informs us that the natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them. 
but that we believers in Jesus have received the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and therefore we have the mind of Christ. Now Jesus had a clear idea of who he was and what he was meant to do. He knew that the cross was the one thing that he could not avoid, that his death was the event that would give power and meaning to everything that he was doing and teaching. However, from a natural mindset, that sounds just crazy, especially when we consider the context in which this idea was posed. We will take a look at that in a while. Uh, therefore, after rebuking Peter in private, Jesus had to make it clear to all the other disciples that he was being serious and literal in what he had told them and give a further explanation of the difference between setting our minds on the things of God or on the things of men. So let's uh, keep reading verses 24 to 28. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So the Lord reinforced the idea that he should die on a cross. But not only that, he made it clear to everyone that if they wanted to come after him, that is where they were headed to go to. If they truly wanted to follow Jesus, they shouldn't expect anything different. Again, that is not something people, including you and I, are willing to hear. Who in sound mind will choose that? And maybe that's why we have some different Gospels. Nowadays, many people wear a cross on a necklace or have one hanging on their walls. You can pick a design, stone or wood, with lots of carved details, or maybe um, gold or silver with uh, precious stones, maybe. Uh, maybe a more artistic design, like a painting. We usually don't realize that it's just weird. Uh, not that uh, one cannot or should not have a cross like that, but we should realize that a cross is not a nice decoration object. It is an instrument of torture and death, and it should actually cause us to fear as it did back then. I have some facts about the Roman crucifixion process. It was the punishment for serious crimes. It could take from uh, about 30 minutes for the convict to die if he was hanging with the, the arm straight up, up to a few days if he was tied to the cross. In cases when the person was nailed to the cross, it should take less than 24 hours. The criminal usually had to carry their own cross or part of it as a display of guilt and a public declaration of the death sentence they were given. The pain was excruciating. From Latin, it means out of crucifying. Severe nerve damage, broken bones, struggle to breathe. 
The causes of death could be cardiac rupture, heart failure, hypovolemic shock, reduced uh, blood volume, acidosis, increased acidity in blood or other tissues, asphyxia, arrhythmia, pulmonary embolism, sepsis, or a combination of these. It is no wonder that the disciples were terrified about Jesus' talk. And even Jesus had to battle in prayer in order to deal with the cross, and we know the story of the Gethsemane. There he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from the death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus was heard. Even though he couldn't avoid the cross, he received comfort and strength to face it. And we have a big cross standing here before us. Um, let it be a constant reminder of the great love that Jesus has for us, that God has for us, that he chose to send his only begotten son to experience the worst kind of suffering and death just to give us the chance of redemption. Let the cross crush any doubt you might have about God's love and care for you. Let the love of Christ displayed on the cross compel you with the conviction that he died on your behalf so that you no longer live for yourself, but for him. Let that also be a reminder of the invitation that Jesus extends to us. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was talking about a literal cross when he spoke about his own death, but he didn't mean that for the rest of us. Instead, he used that figure to illustrate the costs of following him. What is our cross? Maybe it's wise that we first rule out some of the common misunderstandings about what the cross is so that we can receive uh, the true meaning of the cross for Christ's followers. We will do that by saying what the cross is not. First, the cross is not people. The cross is not your stubborn, unbelieving spouse. It's not your mean boss. It's not even your parents-in-law that insist on those long visits. Uh, second, the cross is not self-inflicted suffering. It's not the ice bucket challenging, challenge. It's not the burden of guilt that you are supposed to carry. You're not. It is not harming your body. Some people go real and, and get themselves crucified for, for a while because of that uh, as a religious practice. It is not fasting, needing praying on your knees until they hurt really bad. It's not denying pleasure. And third, the cross is not random life circumstances. It's not the hardships you face, such as illness, unemployment, financial difficulty. It's not even coming to church with a cold, even though that is pretty heroic, I give you that. So how can we define or understand the cross? Above all, the cross is a choice. It has to do with the choice, the decision to follow Christ. A choice not in the sense that you can choose to follow Christ and not pick up your cross, but in the sense that you choose to follow Christ and therefore to pick up your cross. The cross is a public display that you are carrying a death sentence to yourself, to sin, and to the world. 
It means loving God above everything else and willing to suffer if necessary for that. And then, yes, you may lose your job, some friendships and opportunities. That is a feature of your cross too. It means being persecuted for righteousness' sake when you are rejected for becoming who God made you to be. It means to share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ, to endure hardships that come because of your loyalty to the Lord. It means not to consider your life too precious, but to surrender yourself, your time, your resources to the service of the King. As we made clear moments ago, the cross is not people, but it's absolutely related to how we respond to those who harm and test us. It is not self-inflicted suffering, but it might and it will require abstinence, including fasting. It is not life situations that may affect anyone, but is necessarily linked to how we react to them. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? It should. It terrifies and amazes me at the same time. The cross is indeed a scandal, pure madness. The world considers the cross as foolishness, and no wonder since it demands death to what the world holds most dear, the self or the pursuit of self, self-satisfaction, self-righteousness, self-pity, self-seeking habits, self-preservation, self-indulgence, selfishness. The world puts your ego on the center, and suddenly all is about you. Good and evil are defined by what affects you and how it affects you, whether situations, things, people, feelings, and even God. And then you don't want to be a part of a church that does not give the value that I deserve or that won't play the songs that I like. Maybe you will even serve to your local church as long as it is on your terms. And if everything is going well, praise the Lord. But if anything goes south, where is God? Why me? And when someone hurts you, God, make them pay for it. Make them regret. And woe to whoever dares to say you were wrong. He's just become an enemy. Can you imagine Jesus on the way to the Calvary, praying, Father, I'm at my limit here. I'm sorry, but one more punch, one more spit, and I'm done. I'm done with them. All that I've ever done is to show love, kindness, teach them, and that's how they pay me back. That's not what Jesus did. Instead, he prayed, Lord, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. For whoever saves his life will lose it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That describes the mindset on the things of man as we discussed previously. Have you ever dug a hole on the beach and tried to fill it with seawater? Maybe when you were a kid. But as soon as you pour the water uh, and the hole is full, it started starts to drain through the sand and uh, in no time you have an empty hole again. Seeking life in material things in personal accomplishment is just as silly and void as that and carries eternal consequences since in essence we sow in this life to reap in eternity. Jesus was undoubtedly very, very emphatic in his demands. 
but they are nothing to be compared to what is at stake, eternity, with or without God. Following Him demands surrender, obedience, abandon of many things. It involves a certain measure of suffering, of struggle, yes, but it brings rewards, eternal and far better than anything we can obtain in this world in pleasure, riches, power, or prestige. But if our minds are set on anything else other than God, we will never get past the stage of shock, and the cross will still be a stumbling block for us. We can take Peter's example that is really enlightening to demonstrate that. First, as we read today, uh, he took offense at the cross of Christ. However, he had to adjust uh, his, his reality after being rebuked by Jesus, uh, since leaving Jesus was not an option for him. Later on, the Gospels record his famous statement that he said to Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will not leave you. I will not deny you. By which we usually judge him for being untrue to his words. But if you pay attention, you can read in the Gospel of John when he's talking about writing about uh, Jesus' arrest. And you see that Peter was the one disciple that uh, took a sword and cut a soldier's ear. So that is a display that he was actually willing to die for Jesus. Uh, but the problem with Peter is that once more he was setting his mind on the things of man. Uh, and his good intentions were useless because he was not in conformity with God's plan. He was ready to die for Jesus on his own terms, in his own way. Jesus responded, put your sword away. Should I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And, and this behavior, when we claim to be doing God's will, uh, while in fact we are chasing our own ideas, might be closer to, to us than we may realize. When we compromise biblical truths um, with the intention to be culturally re relevant and maybe attracting more people to the church, um, or when we rationalize our disobedience in order to excuse our wrong behavior, for example, I, I, I once I, uh, I started a Bible group, Bible study group, and I was relying on some more experienced or uh, Christians with a strong background to help me to build up the others and encourage the others. Um, it happens that this one person I was relying on eventually decided that the church was not measuring up their expectations. Uh, it's not... Um, providing what they needed, so they left the church, while in fact they were the ones supposed to be serving the others. For some, this misunderstanding may be displayed by accepting longer journeys of uh, work with an uh, increased paycheck, of course, then failing the belief that uh, they will be able to give more to missionary projects. Uh, even though the working routine may alienate them from the Christian fellowship or even from their families. And in the end, Peter, for Peter, that attitude of not submitting in complete trust to God and his mind set on the things of men led him to deny his master. After the Lord rose from the dead, he met Peter and asked him three times, do you love me? 
Uh, and after that, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, and you can take it figuratively as immature, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to. Uh, do as you please. You did as you pleased. But when you are old or mature, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. After saying his, this, Jesus said to him, follow me. And this is so profound. Jesus was telling Peter that uh, he would become mature enough to one day submit himself to God with no reservations, and he would have the opportunity of keeping his word. Follow me, the Lord ended. He insisted on the invitation once more under the same conditions. If you want to follow me, take up your cross, Peter, and come. I will lead the way. And Peter died on a cross. And according to the tradition, he requested to be hanged upside down because he didn't consider himself worth of dying on the same way his Lord did. In his letter to the churches, a few decades after, uh, into his apostolic ministry, Peter makes it very clear that he finally understood the concept and the effects of the cross, both in Jesus' example and in its, in its application to our lives. He wrote that when someone mindful of God do good and suffer for it and endures the suffering, this is a gracious thing uh, in the sight of God, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, so he could make sense of the cross. The Apostle Paul sets a compelling example when he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The crucified life enables Jesus living through us, and helps us keep the perspective of Christ's loving sacrifice for us as we share in his sufferings. It is doubtful that someone faced as much opposition and suffering as the Apostle Paul, and you can read it in his letters. But he had in his mindset on the right subject, and in the midst of all his sufferings, he could proclaim, if, God, if God is with us, who can be against us? He knew that the hardships had nothing to do with God's faithfulness. On the other hand, we were promised a great deal in difficulties. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If we are thinking like a man, we might take offense at those situations. But then we are confronted with the reality of a disciple, as he writes, for your sake we are being killed all day long. And if we acknowledge that on a daily basis, even and especially before the trials come, we are more likely to face them with an upright attitude and faith. No, in all those things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, his love reaches us, 
despite the evil that threatens and surrounds us and fills our hearts with faith, joy, and strength. Finally, let's check how Paul applied the Lord's example to our practical life. He said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let, let each one of you uh, look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he uses Jesus' example as the one who became servant, was obedient, uh, and embraced his cross to emphasize that we must think like Jesus and be imitators of him. The way of the cross is not easy. Jesus showed that. It demands self-denial, obedience, humility, and trust. It requires death to ourselves, to sin, to the world, but it's the only way to follow Jesus, and we must Keep in mind that he's not asking from us anything that he didn't face himself. And he's not sending us on our own, but he's leading the parade. And if the pressure is too much, if fear troubles you, if you feel like you cannot handle it, just like the Lord did when he fought in prayer on the Gethsemane, approach the throne of mercy to receive the comfort you need to carry on. And if you are hesitant, I invite you to look at the cross of Jesus, to the price that he paid to bring you back to the Father, to the great extent to which he went to display his love, to the incomparable gift you received as a result of that sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so what does your thoughts and actions reveal about your mindset? Maybe you figure out that you have been chasing after your own ambitions, uh, hoping that the Lord will adjust His will to your plans. Or maybe you are still looking for the approval of men um, to fulfill people's expectations, um, to fit in, even though that means to follow Jesus from a distance and approach Him whenever you need something or whenever your plans don't work out. Uh, taking the example of the, the first commandment, love. Are you willing to love those who can't or won't offer you anything in return? Or why do we expect to love people without having to endure suffering in some way? We take offense of that when we suffer because of uh, loving people. We talk a lot about love as if it would be enough, but we hardly include suffering in this context. But love endures all things, hopes all things, bears all things. Are you willing to serve out of obedience, even if you won't get any human acknowledgement, or even if your earthly reward will be disappointment uh, and rejection? If you do things because you read your Bible and you want to honor your God, and therefore you do good things, that is great. But if you get too easily disappointed at people, that might be the case that you have your mindset on the wrong thing and you are still needing human acknowledgement. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to come after him? Are you willing to take up your cross? Let's pray. Let's stand, please. 
Father, we come before you today and we are reminded of your great love because Jesus came and he lived in a way to show us your love, to teach us about your love, and he died so that we could experience this love every day in our lives. Thank you because of that. Thank you because we are benefiting from it, from his sacrifice. And Lord, help us to realize that you are requiring from us that we also should take up our cross and follow you, follow your example, your obedience, your sacrifice, endure the suffering just like you did. Father, in Jesus' name, let us not be conformed to this world. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to overcome any offense that we might have on the cross. Help us to see that it's not um, overreacting, that it's not too much that you are asking. Help us not forget that. Stir our hearts, Lord. Show us where we can improve, how we can improve, what things we must do differently, and more especially, uh, how we must think differently. Allow us to, to have our minds renewed in your word, to embrace righteousness that was offered to us and that clothes us. We want to live the life that you want for us. We want to know it, and we want to be thankful for it. Help us not to, to, to lose uh, our cool when uh, suffering comes, when disappointment comes. Help us to keep our eyes fixed in Jesus. Father, we want to follow you. Jesus, we want to follow you and we want to know your love. Holy Spirit, please strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Help us display to this world that we are uh, sons of God, that we are followers of Jesus. Let us display the cross that we are dead to this world, dead to sin, and we live for righteousness. Take your, our hearts, Father. Take our lives and shape it according to your will. Thank you because you are faithful and you are good. Praised be your name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.